Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my I Just Want to Play My Trombone with a band friend, Palmer. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well, Palmer. We're here to talk 1938's Best Pictures. Yep. Um, there are all the movies. There are ten of them. There are so many of these movies. There really is. And so we're going to try to, we're going to, try to minimalize um, all of them. Um, by or at least our time frame by spending a little less time on each film like we did in 1939. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Well, we tried it in 1939. I don't know exactly how successful we were. Yeah. Um, on a side note, I changed the lamps that sit on this table, and so now the top of your head is a shade <laughs> as opposed to, and it's it's kind of amusing. I'm yeah. glad that I did this. <laughs> um, all right. So there are so many movies, and so we're going to we're going to kick this off. Almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Here we are. These are the best pictures of 1938. And they are 100 Men and a Girl, The Life of Emile Zola, Dead End, Captain's Courageous, The Good Earth, A Star is Born, In Old Chicago, The Awful Truth, and Lost Horizon. Okay, I did watch them all. Okay, and you're, like, and you're like, oh no, I'm one short. Well, well it's like, too bad. We're doing well, it's this like when there's anyway. ten of them, you're sitting there going, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I missed one. I know. Well, we, I mean, it takes a couple of weeks for us to watch like movies of this of this length. Yeah. And so, um, and so I, whenever we would talk like, which ones have you seen yet? I'm like, I know I'm missing one. Um, which film do you think won Best Picture? I know which one because you actually, we, we were discussing. Um, the schedule of these of the releases mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. Oh yeah, and you named them by best picture. So when you sent me the screenshot, it said it. Oh no, <laughs> it's, it's life of Emil Zola. It is the life of Emil Zola. Um, and so there you are. So that'll be the last film that we cover. Okay, uh, per our tradition, the first film that we are going to cover is The Lost Horizon. The Lost Horizon, directed by Frank Capra, uh, written by Robert Riskin, based on the novel by James Hilton, starring Ronald Coleman, Jane Wyatt, Edward Everett Horton, uh, Sam Jafe, and H.B. Warner. The film about a group of travelers who accidentally discover Shangri- the magical city of Shangri-La. Yes. Um, and that is, that's that's kind of the... the the two side of the plot. nutshell. That's the nutshell. Yeah. Um, how did you? What did you think about this movie? Uh, visually, it's it looks really nice. Yes, I hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. Um, there. It's weird that this is to me that this is a Frank Capra movie. Mm-hmm. Tell me else what Frank Capra did. He did Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yep. And he did It's a Wonderful Life. There are no letters or angels <laughs> in this movie. Um, from my understanding, like Capra actually really wanted to make this picture because he. Because it was different from what he had, had been known for. Sure, that makes sense. Um, and I guess he really liked the genre. Um, that being said, like it's it's a little plotting. It is a little plotting, and that's not always the case with older films because sometimes they're like they're shorter, and so they're like they're squeezing a lot in. Right, and I, and this... I found that to be the case with older movies in the in the drama genre mm-hmm. or over two hours. Yes. 
Um, and it's not it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just not my pacing style it, that I want. It takes its time. It, it, yeah, it is sure to take its time. It, it really until you kind of. Really until the end where it's like this whole, is it a really a magical place? Is it not? And right. where, where do we stand on this? And feel like by the time it gets there, it could have, like we could have, that was really interesting. And we, I felt like we could have dove into that a lot more. Yeah. Um, it, but. Um, yeah. I, I think the movie started in a place a little too soon. Mm. And then kind of had to end it too soon. Sure. So like I wanted more of the middle. Yes, I the middle I thought was good, and you know, obviously Shangri-La looks really beautiful. The actors are doing well. Um, I no. I just didn't really like for a movie about Shangri-La. I don't necessarily care about how they get there. It's a spectacle film. Yeah, it's, it's big on spectacle. The music's great. Oh the yeah, design the design is great. The costumes are great, but it's got a thin story. Yeah, or it's not necessarily a thin story, but there's just not like you know the idea of succumbing to grasp with what you believe in and stuff like that is good, but it wears it's on its it wears it on its sleeve. Yeah, so it could feel a little thin and a little plotting. This uh, film won best art direction and best editing. That makes it which that, um, that kind of makes sense. Um, one of the things that I, if I remember correctly, um, this movie, its first cut was like three hours Mm -hmm. that's right and he whittled it down to he whittled it down to the the runtime now and i guess over the years pieces of the movie kind of just disappeared so now when you watch the movie um it's restored to its original road road show runtime yep but it's done so by using um uh set pictures because production the audio stills, was still yeah. attack, and mm-hmm. they use production stills for the missing pieces, which I really like because you get the complete movie, mm-hmm. um, and they do it a lot with like old Doctor Who episodes. Um, well, they'll use production stills. To... Yes, because there was a the, no one cared about holding things at the BBC back then. Oh, sure. So they like burned them all in a fire. Oh, to geez. get rid of them one day. Um, but yeah, so I really like the fact that these people went out of their way to try and get it back to the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really liked seeing that. And there's a, actually there's a whole thing at the beginning of the movie that explains it. Oh, the, well, that I saw obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I think I'd wa- I'd watch this again because I thought it was like I like the story of Shangri La right. and all that stuff. And so and I, and I like the idea of a man like it's magic versus reality or mm-hmm. what do you believe? And I and I think there's enough there's enough visual. Vi- some, uh, there's enough visual appeasement, I guess. That uh... yeah, I would I would watch it again, knowing what I'm getting into now. Yep, um, because this was kind of the to me this was one of the two outliers for the movies that were nominated this year. Mm-hmm. Like they all had some sort of common theme through them. Sure. And this one was kind of like the... As we've discovered with most years, there there's yeah, seems to be... this was kind of like the artistic choice. This was like the... This movie was very technically done well. I wouldn't call it the artistic choice, but I'd call it the spectacle choice. Okay. Artistic to me means um, like it's it's not... It's doing, some, it's doing something artsy, really, as opposed to... Okay, I, I see what you're saying. Something crowd-pleasing. Okay. This feels more crowd-pleasing to me yeah. than, than artsy. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's just we have a different definition of it. I like, guess so. I would just think like that would be indie to me. 
Sure, but that doesn't really exist. Yeah, then at so, that time. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay, so okay. we're gonna move, move on. on. Yeah, next film, The Awful Truth, directed by Leo McCary, written by uh, Vina Del Mar, based on the novel by Arthur Rickman or Richmond. This is a story about a couple that is getting divorced. It's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um and because starring I'm sorry. Starring yeah, starring um Irene is that Irene is that Irene Dunny? I can't read my own handwriting. I believe so, yeah. Sure. And Cary Grant. Yeah. Um so and they're kind of like both suspicious of one another. It's this running joke that like there could be no suspicion in marriage and then all <laughs> they are is suspicious of one another and um well, I mean, to be fair, at the beginning, like we see the husband lying to her. Yeah, like, he's like he supposedly yeah, he's getting went a fake away. tan because yeah. he supposedly was in Florida. And he's like, pump up these lights. I gotta get Florida tan. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on actually, and um, and so it's really there. Like we're still in love, but we're jealous of one another. And mm-hmm. this guy comes in, and this person comes in, and this guy's an idiot that she's with. It's like archetypal romantic comedy. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, this is the archetype that all these movies were based on and that have been done in tongue-in-cheek ways, like, say, Down With Love, mm-hmm. that reminded me of this. Um, but this also, you in your overview of the movie... You left out the two best parts of this movie. Okay. They have the best trained animals in almost any movie I've seen up to this point. You talk about the dog? The dog and the cat. The cat at the end where it's just like guarding the door mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm not moving. I'm no. not moving. I, I'll give you that. I think some of the, not the, um, some of the dry humor in this film is particularly good, but there's a, it's not really slapstick, but the but it's I it's physical co- it's physical comedy. Yeah, where um you know it's like that classic like get in the closet because somebody's coming, you gotta hide. Right. But the when he's like putting on the bowler hat and he's like <laughs> taking it off and on and he's like this this doesn't this I just bought it an hour ago. Why is this hat bigger? <laughs> um, but then when he gets she's him, like, she keeps like coming up with excuses or something. Right. But yeah. then when he goes in the closet and the French guy is in the closet and it's actually his hat and he's still and uh, Cary Grant's still holding it and he sees <laughs> the guy and he's like, hmm. And then he hands him the hat <laughs> that hits it out of his hand. Like That's hilarious. They, they cut back to the other room and she's talking. You just hear the scrape. You see the scrap going on yeah. in the background. That's that was that was one of my favorite parts. That's hilarious. Because that was. That was the humor that I wish – I really liked that humor, mm-hmm. and I really liked that humor in this time – in this day and age that we're in as far as like the 1930s. The 30s, I sure. even like it now, but I don't think it's done nearly as well. I don't think so either. I think it, it's a bygone style yeah. of comedy, um, and I, I, I miss it. I wish it had a little bit more, although uh, w- one of the other parts that I really liked was – when she is dancing and singing at the club mm-hmm. and they have the air jets shooting oh, that, up. That bit was hilarious. <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily the air jets. It was everyone's face watching her make a mockery of herself. Yep. That was that was real good. And then the, the door at the end that kept opening and closing when they're in their opposite right. rooms. Until the cat decided to block the door. That was, yeah. This movie had a lot going for it. I really enjoyed it. It's not an Oscar movie. In, it's not an mean? Oscar movie now. Now, yeah, that's true. Now it's just this is just a thing you see on a Friday yeah. night around Valentine's Day, maybe you know, yeah. like it's just a fun, mindless comedy. Um, yeah, but it's not. 
it doesn't really do anything apart from it being funny. It doesn't really do anything Oscar worthy. I don't think. Um, I think the fact that like the I think this is one time where like chemistry really carries the movie. These two definitely sure. have chemistry and they work oh, well def- off of each other. Definitely, I would actually really like to see this remade. Um, I would like to see it remade mm-hmm. and. I would like to see who would end up getting cast in it. And Ryan would... Reynolds. Yeah, probably. And um... Blake Lively. Just Blake because, Lively. <laughs> just because they're together in real life. Um, it's essentially their it's, Instagram. It's meta. Actually, it's true. That's <laughs> that's very true. Um, I'm trying to think of who would really be... Who would really be good yeah. at this hmm, that's a good question yeah, you're welcome yeah that's all you're gonna be thinking about the rest of the show yes i am um, i think there are a lot of people who could there are a lot of people who could do this style of comedy yeah and do it well um a, a younger diane keaton uh, like a oh, couple yeah. decades ago would be amazing at this yeah um oh well that's a whole different conversation <laughs> um so good film yeah i liked it it was good it wasn't great um I'm not sure I agree with your take that it's not an Oscar movie. I think at the time it is. Well, this movie won Best Director, which is mm-hmm. right. So that's a, that's my question, too. So I think it's because there's a very clear through-line vision of comedy in this film. Yes. How, how people act, where they go, what they do, the consistency in the comedy and tone or whatever yeah, else. And that's, there, that's really the director's There, there are scenes that have some good amount of moving parts mm-hmm. that would take a lot that would take a good amount of vision to be able to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not sure I agree with it based on the other movies in this category. Sure. Um, but I, like I said, I would, I, this one I would watch again over lost horizon. Sure. Um, because it's more my style of movie, mm-hmm. but it was, it was done well. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the next movie in Old Chicago, directed by Henry King, written by Lamar Trotti, Sonia Levine, and Niven Bush, based on the novel by Niven Bush, starring Tyrone Power, Alice Faye, um, Don Don Amesh, and Alice Brady. Oh, you forgot a name. Who did I forget? You forgot Robin Hood's Friar Tuck. Oh, as uh, the friend. Really? Yep. Well, you know, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I go by the top names in IMDb, and sometimes I go back and add them. Like, we'll get to one where it, I added a it, name. It's just his distinctive voice, and I'm um, talking about the Disney Robin Hood. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Like, as soon as I heard that voice, I'm like, that's Friar Tuck. <laughs> like, that guy's from Robin Hood. And I, I quickly looked it up, and I'm like, yep, that's great. That's great. Um, so, in old Chicago is uh, the story of two brothers, one who kind of one who becomes this politician and one who becomes a saloon owner and it, it kind of goes back and forth between their relationship on the not necessarily opposite sides of the law but opposite sides of the politics. fence or power social status or yeah. politics or whatever um i thought tyrone power particularly was very good in this movie i thought brady was also i thought brady was also very good um um i loved the I loved the sets, particularly the the Chicago sets, like mm-hmm. you know, real old, um, you know, Western style, you know, Midwest, you know, yeah. style. You know, people are gonna it looks like people are gonna go and shoot each other in the streets. Yeah, but we're past that. We're civilized yeah. now. I thought 
spoilers, the fire at the end was done really well. Um, But I felt the film was missing a big connection, like a bigger connection between the brothers. I think it started strong. And then I guess maybe that's the point that you feel their rift as the film goes on. Right. Um, But I kind of wanted more of them first. Okay. I, I actually really liked the whole fire set piece uh, mm-hmm. because uh, essentially this movie is uh, not only about the two brothers, but how the uh, great Chicago fire started. Right. Um, and that's where the film climaxes mm-hmm. is this 20 minute grand like destruction of Chicago through fire. Um, and Burn it in, with fire. Even in black and white, this is up there to me with the. With the burning of Atlanta, uh, burning of Georgia in Gone with the Wind. Sure, sure. Um, it's it's filmed really well. Like you get the chaos going. Mm-hmm. Um, you also see like how how difficult and um, I can't think of the word I'm th- I'm trying to think of, but how difficult it was to be a fireman because essentially they just filled up a bucket, passed it to one guy, passed it to one guy, passed it to one guy. And then you threw the bucket of water, hoping there was still water left in that bucket. Right. Yeah. By the time it gets there, it's like, Oh, there's dribble, dribble, dribble. Yeah. I know. Like no wonder Chicago burned. Right. No. Well, I mean, what, like what? I'm not, I'm not blaming them. This was the technology at the time. Indoor plumbing. It's gonna be big. <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said, my, uh, the, the movie, I really liked the brothers. And I really liked once they kind of established who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole play of the the saloon brother getting his competition to run for mayor, having him close his bar, his biggest competition to close his bar to run for mayor. And he's like, "Yeah, I'll help you. I'll get all the people in the in the area that I live, which is a big, which is a big voting block. Mm-hmm. You know, I will tell them to vote for you, and I'll vote for you." Mm-hmm. And it's essentially just a ruse to to get him out of business, right? And he's like, "Hey, I I voted for you. I couldn't I couldn't make everybody else vote for you." Yep. I wish the movie focused more on that. Like, I wish that was a bulkier part of the movie. Um. So, uh, that being said, um, this movie does this movie does really well at what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. Again, I just wish it started a little bit later in the story and continued a little bit more. Um, I, I, yeah. Although, actually, that stuff with the dad at the beginning, I really liked. I I really liked it. That was really well it shot. Felt like, like a good different for movie. The, good for that stunt man. Um, what do you actually, mean, stunt man? They were just. <laughs> they that was actually just, that was actually an outtake. Yeah, just <laughs> they had to rewrite the beginning. They were like, "Oh, this works. Let's uh, yeah. let's keep no." This that was in. that was a very good scene. I just felt like it was in a different movie. Um, I can understand. I can understand what yeah. you're talking about. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't keep that level of tragedy or yeah. action in some way. But I understand. Um, Alice Brady won Best Supporting Actress for this film. She was the the singer and mm-hmm. the girlfriend. I believe so. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I'm maybe there are a couple of other people who I thought were maybe. There were a couple of other people I, I think stood out more, mm-hmm. um, but we're not here to talk about those categories. So right. um, this film also, interestingly enough, won Best Assistant Director, Robert That's D. Webb. That was a thing? Huh. Yeah. 
thought that was how do you how do you actually determine that? Yeah, uh, the amount of work they get done. I'm sure maybe it has something to do with the fire. Yeah, that would be my understanding. I feel like that's like those are like kind of first and secondary unit shoots and yep. stuff like that. So that was. That was my understanding, but um, I didn't look into it, but I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, that was. Good job. Thanks. Um, we're going to talk about The Good Earth next. Okay. Uh, directed by Sidney Franklin. There are actually three uncredited directors on this film besides Sidney Franklin, <laughs> but um, I want to stick with Sidney. Written by Talbot Jennings, Tess Schlesinger, uh, uh, Claudine West, based on the novel, novel by Pearl S. Buck. Starring Paul Mooney, Louise, uh, Louise Rayner, Walter Connolly, and Tilly Losh. Um, this one, I'm going to tell you right now, this one best actress for Louise Rayner and it won best cinematography. Um, I believe it was called photography at the time. Um, look, I just wrote down cinematography. That's fine. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just keeping it modern here. Okay. 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 You're, you're thoroughly modern. Um, just like uh, Millie. Just like Millie. Exactly. <laughs> thoroughly modern. But I hate you. I'm going to be singing that all night. Um, so the Good Earth tells the story of um, farmers in rural China, and it basically it basically just starts with uh, the day of this couple's marriage. You know, it's an arranged marriage, um, and and he Paul Mooney's Paul Mooney's character is not um, they're not wealthy because they're farmers, and so the only way that his father can procure a wife for him is from the slate is from the the slave house and so um and so he kind of goes to collect his wife and they build their life together and he through circum they through circumstances become you know he becomes wealthy and then they have to they deal with that and owning the land as opposed to just farming on the land and what do they do with that responsibility and their family life and all this stuff i'm i'm almost 100% sure that the book the good earth is a Pulitzer prize winner I'm almost positive. Actually, you're holding your phone and ignoring me right now. So if you no, could be I'm actually, I'm looking up things for Good Earth. Oh. So I wanted to see if it was photography or not. And I'm actually okay. listening. You okay. think the book was a Pulitzer Prize? I'm winner. pretty sure the Good Earth is a Pulitzer Prize winner. It is. It is probably. Yes. Oh shoot! <laughs> it's not under the trivia. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, look later while we're talking about it. Um, yeah. I've read seg- I've read segments of it because full disclosure I loved this movie like I finished I finished okay. the movie and I was like I need to read the book um, <laughs> I need to read this again and then I and then I so I started reading it but then I was also like but I have other things to do too so I haven't been I have able to a life. <laughs> I have I have to uh, I have so much to read so um so anyway so uh, that's I thought this movie. Uh, racism aside, I'm going to get it out right now. Paul Mooney is not is Chinese. Not Chinese. Yep, he is not. That yep. would be correct. Yep. So, um, um, so that that racism aside, if we pret- if we pretend we're living in a different time, I loved this movie. So, all right, let's um, let's talk about what I really, really enjoyed about this movie. Uh, you and- enjoyed all of it. Uh, no, it you did, enjoyed the acting. It did win a Nobel Prize for Literature in yes. 1938. <laughs> so the book came out the same year. No, you don't get the Nobel Prize the same year your work is published. Like you don't get the Academy Award the same year your, your film comes out. But you, well, essentially you do. You get it within a year span. I think the book was published in 37. Published in 1931. Oh, see, well, there you go. 
It was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for the novel in 1932. And then again in 1938. You mean you mean it got a Pulitzer and then it got a Nobel Prize? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so the one thing uh, I hate saying the one thing. Um, the thing that I really liked most about this movie was the uh, locust. That plague. that I think that scene is one of the reasons that won best. Photography, best absolutely. Photography. Fun fact, and this was what I was looking up when mm-hmm. I was when I was looking at the trivia for it. They they had no way of actually filming that scene. They were going to abandon that scene, and then they found out that there was actually a locust plague in the town, like a town or two over. So what? they sent a camera crew out there to record it. That's amazing. That's amazing. This um, was filmed in. South California, Southern California. Right, because obviously with the with um, the political times of China, sure, it right, would, but would have been difficult. To well, a lot of well, a lot of this film, bef- a lot of the the part of the point of the book and then the film was kind of to be like, hey, China's cool. Like it's okay to be friends with China. Look at their rich history. Look at this. Like look at this great country and the kind of people that come from there. Um, I didn't. And I didn't then get that. and then the um, and then World War Two kind of, and then afterwards that all of that kind of went to poop. Yeah, um, it's funny because this movie kind of dubbed it, at least in my mind, and you can. Definitely correct me if I'm wrong. To me, this movie kind of dovetails with um, The Last Emperor. Uh, yeah, okay. Because they're taking place right around the same time. Uh, sure. I thought you meant your opinion of them. Like, no. Oh, okay. um, like, they're taking place right around the same time. So you're essentially seeing the, the advent, two sides of it. The yeah. advent of the Chinese um, revolution. Imp- revolution. The imperial China. Right. right. Um, coming into power. Yeah, or from the, the uh, from the opposite side mm-hmm. than you saw from the Last Emperor. That's a good point. I did not think about that. I, and having also really enjoyed the Last Emperor. Yeah, like because then... w- like when they're rushing around talking, it's like the middle of the movie, I think, where they're like they've they've gone through their trek and they're like really downtrodden, mm-hmm. and the kids stole like meat from a old lady, mm-hmm. and then like the next scene, like. There's riots going on. People are, I don't know if they're cheering necessarily or what, but you find out like there's, there's a new China, you know, there's a new Chinese Republic. Mm-hmm. Like that's the new government now. Yep. Um, for me, this movie is just a little too big in scope for my taste. Okay. Oh, that's So it's just personal taste here. So I definitely, I see the quality in this. Okay. But I know it's like, it's not the movie made for me. No, I, I actually when I saw this movie, I was when I, after I was done, I think I texted you or I told you in person. Yeah, you're like you're like, gonna hate you're it. gonna hate it. Not because um, it's a bad movie, but because it's the exact kind of film you don't like. Right. It's weird because like so this is what I think like when movies do that and I like it, I think it's I think like that's when I really think they should be lauded because they took someone who didn't like this genre mm-hmm. and really did something with it. Um, and I don't think this, I don't know, I just don't think it does. And I think for the time it does. It just kind of gets lost to history a bit. I think so. I mean, you don't hear this film get talked about with yeah. any kind of, um, with any kind of passing fondness or, right. you know, it's not, it's not a film that survives to the era. So even if you've 
never heard it. Even if you've never seen it, you've heard of it. It's not that. Most of these films are not that, actually. There are very few of these yeah. that are uh, kind of. But I would. I would put that lo- up, I would I put up the locust scene with almost any special effects up until maybe the advent of like the 10 commandments no no like I, I would say like to the like the 90s to so like Jurassic Park yeah I think once you get like once you get Stan Winston like firing on all cylinders with the with the animatronic puppets can i can i offer 2001 a space odyssey before that or star wars um i don't think it i don't think it beats star wars but i think it can be in the conversation with star wars well would you call would you call filming a real thing would you yeah well i mean because because the locusts were on the because the locusts were real they like there was a like i don't it's not necessarily a special effect to the same way I don't think that's how I don't think that's how that works. I mean, some of those dinosaurs were really built. Yeah, real dinosaurs. <laughs> the real dinosaurs were built. Good. We're going to move on. We can't. We're not having a rational <laughs> conversation anymore. Uh, a Star is Born, directed by William A. Wellman, written by Dorothy Parker and Alan Campbell and Robert Carson and William Wellman himself, story by him at least, starring Janet Gaynor, Frederick uh Frederick March, Adolf Menu, and Mary Robson. This is um, this is a drama. This is a drama. Um, I wrote in my over before I even talk about what this movie is about. I wrote my my overall like what I thought about this movie. Hollywood loves its Hollywood movies, even in even in the late third. Like, look, just because this had a scene at the Academy Awards. He had a seat at the Academy Awards. Which, which, as that seat was going on, I'm sitting there going, huh, and this didn't win? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so the, so Star Wars, a Star's Born, <laughs> whew, uh, won a few awards, uh, best writing for original story. Okay. Um, it got, and it got an honorary award for colored photography. That's right. It was, it was in color. Yep. So, um, so it's a, it's basically about this this small town girl who really wants know. to be a Hollywood actress, yeah. and it's about her journey to become that. Um, I thought this movie, in some places, was weirdly relevant, like weirdly relevant. Are you okay? Yeah, I yeah, you know what I'm talking. I kind of know what you're talking about. I'm actually going to talk about it on mine. So yeah, so it's the. Adolf Adolf Manu plays like this Hollywood producer, and it's all about like finding the girl. And how about you come to my place? And you do, yeah. and it just like I was watching, and I was like, "Wow, this is making me uncomfortable." And but it's, it's not necessarily yeah. what the film is trying to, and it's not what happens either. No, it's not. It's, it's just the fact that what's going on now it kind of colors your it colors your my vision of what of, what, like of what's happening. Um. So I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought you would. You had um, been looking forward to this movie, as I recall. Well, I mean, look, I can't say that I'm completely unbiased. I am starring in the remake. Yes, you are your own star. No, I'm I'm in the remake. No, so no, no, you're I, not. I am. We've gone over this several times. I don't believe you, though. I am I am one of the main stars in the remake coming out with Lady Gaga. Look, and... look I told you that dressing up like a star <laughs> in a Christmas pageant is not the same thing. Well, fine. Don't believe it. <laughs> I'm in the remake. That's all that matters. 
Um, which in this movie has been remade several times from what I could see. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Um, so the first hour of this movie, it's an hour and 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. The first hour of this movie, there is really good comedy. Yeah. There is some mm-hmm. really, really good comedy. Uh, scene at the party where he's handing her plates. And like every time he's every time she says something like negative about him, he drops a plate. Yep. <laughs> it has it has comedic time and to the point where I when I look this up on IMDb later, as I'm watching the movie and it says drama, I'm sitting there, I'm like I'm like, does nobody know how to categorize things anymore? Um like this I, is I would say this is I would say this is a drama. Right, but I'm talking yeah. about like in that first hour. Oh, sure. I'm sitting there going, this is about as much of a drama as Thor is a good movie. <laughs> oh, well, that's Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, leave your Marvel bias at the door. That's not what we're here to talk about here. No, but I wanted to fit that in. No. Um and then yes, it does. It takes a dramatic turn, um which is good because it could do that. Mhm. And it doesn't feel out of place because it builds up the story of him being an alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, and then it takes a it, you know then it takes the tragic turn where what seems to be a way to 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 kill yourself in in Academy Award nominee movies you walk into the ocean. What is it with that? So when I was watching this movie, one I thought that was the end of the movie because probably because of a long long way home. What was that? What was that movie? It was a long way home. A Long Way Home? Yeah, it was the, the one... It the, was, no, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. This is the Jane Fonda movie. I know I know the movie, but that's right. not... Come Away Home. Come come Home Again. The Home Again? Home Again? Um, home Alone 2. Lost in New York. Um, oh, my God. It was Jane Fonda, right? Yeah, it was Jane Fonda. All right. Um, keep going. I'll look it up. So that so that movie, like, Walking in the Ocean. And so, like, so that... Ha- so I was watching that happen. I was like, wow, what a powerful way to end this movie. And then it goes on for another 20 minutes. So that being said, um, one of the parts where you're like, this is kind of weirdly relevant. I thought you were talking about the funeral scene where she comes oh, out yeah. and there's that rabid fan base that's like upset that she's wearing a veil mm-hmm. and they're trying to get her autograph. And I'm sitting there going, man, fans were fans awful, were like even awful then. back then. Yeah. I know it's a movie, but movies cover some real life sometimes. Um, yeah, no, that yeah. coming home. Coming home. Yep. All right. So, um, um, so, and, and again, second movie with Friar Tuck in it. He he plays her neighbor. Why is this so important? Because I love his voice. Okay. Okay. Um, so the comedy scenes are done really well. The drama scenes are done really well. This movie is a little too inside Hollywood. Like there are times like they seem to really go into some of the minutiae that a general mm-hmm. audience doesn't know about. Good word, minutiae. Um, but, it, like, I was looking forward to it. It looked good. It 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 was really good. I, I thought the music in this movie was actually pretty, 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 pretty good. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I don't know if I'd watch it again. Um, I'm... Although I, I almost watched like the second half again more than the first half. I know you liked the comedy, but I was really I was more moved by by the drama of it. By at the I, end, I really liked the drama, um, and I wouldn't mind having that movie. But I think this movie works well because you have both. Right, it doesn't you, that drama doesn't exist unless you unless you build unless up. you have the good times. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because so towards the end when she's like she gives up her career for him, 
And I'm sitting there going, like, I don't know if I would do that. I know you wouldn't. I I know I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I know you well enough to say that you would not do that. But, um, no, I was looking forward to it because it's just a movie. It was one of the few movies that I'd heard of. Yep. So in my mind, I was like, it's an old movie that I've heard of. It's supposed to be a classic. So I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to watching this for the first time. I wasn't disappointed. I would probably, I would probably give the one of the remakes a try first before I go back and watch this. Oh, interesting! Just to see if it was done a little bit better, or a little. So bit you wouldn't recommend watching the remake first. You're just saying you right now you would, you would watch a remake before going back to the original. Yeah, just because just because I know how many times it's been remade, I want to see is there something different. Probably did they add a little bit more to it? Did they change some of the comedy? Mm-hmm. What's the tone? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. Because th- these two also had really good chemistry together. I would probably want her uh, to win. She wasn't a supporting actress, so all right. No. Um, the whole, I no, she say, wasn't I just a supporting don't, actress. I don't, that, that best supporting actress isn't sitting well with me for good earth. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I too just felt, bad. I just felt she was a little wooden. Well, too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Stage Door. Next, okay. directed by Gregory LaCava, written by Maury Riskind, Anthony Vailer, based on the play by George S. Kaufman and Edna Ferber, starring Catherine Hepburn, Ginger Rogers, Adolph Manu, again, uh, Gail Patrick, and Lucille Ball. That was the name I added later because I didn't know she was in this movie because she wasn't on the top four build and she should have been because she's in this movie a lot. Yeah, but I don't think she was the star. No, she's definitely not. She's a supporting player, but she's in it a lot, and she was delightful. She was. So Stage Door is about a home, an apartment home, I guess, for a sorority sorority house-ish for girls. These kind of girls' homes don't really exist anymore, so I'm trying a hard time labeling them, but like... Only girls it's, are allowed to live here yeah. while they like sort out their lives and their careers and blah blah blah. See, I I felt it was more of a almost like a boarding house for for wannabe actresses, actresses. Yeah, that's ba- that's basically people. it. Yeah. But you know, but they, but it is a place that they choose to go and to live there right. and rent. And so, um, and so it basically tells the story of Catherine Hepburn who has come into this world to do her Catherine Hepburn thing and on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, did I get this mixed up? When I say that Adolf Manu is like, I'm a producer and I'm a, like come to my cat. That's this movie. That's, that's this not one. stage. The four. other one the other one is not that. Okay. Then maybe it's this movie that I think. This movie was. is like that and that's how it actually like that's the thing he's trying to do. Yeah. Like he doesn't I don't think he ends up doing anything. No. But like he tries and when the person says no, he's like, Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Um, He's in three of these ten movies. Oh, Paul Mooney's in a couple, too. Yeah, he is. Um, Um, He's he's in in Good Good Earth Earth and in Emile Zola. Yes, that was the other one. Um, So, um, this is is a little weird of a movie for me. It's It's weird. I I typically... Okay, I understand how great of an actress Catherine Hepburn is. Mm Mm-hmm. The thing that kind of puts me off a little bit on her is the very, very, um, the very, very heavy accent. I'm Catherine Hepburn. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. And in my mind, like I always feel like she's overdoing it. 
Maybe that's just her voice. It could be. But in this movie, it's it's there, but it disappears. Well, they call her out on it at the beginning, right? So they kind of make fun of her for it. Right. And she's like, are you making fun of me because of my voice? And, right. And so I think it's supposed to be bigger, and then she's supposed to subdue it. Like right. She's like learning how to... like. To become part of the crowd, right. I guess. Which to me, seeing everything else she's like everything else that I've seen her in and her having that accent and mm-hmm. me going, I don't think she could ever not do it. The fact that she didn't do it. Oh, sure. I thought was a really good step. Respect Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then the whole the whole scene inside the hotel when the producer I think it was the producer who's explaining the story of um, my fair lady, mm-hmm. the, the Pygmalion, Pygmalion, and the, the drunk woman, and she she gets so sad when when they don't get to get married. Oh, I you know, <laughs> I like that. I also liked it was a real throwaway line, but somebody said something <laughs> like, "Oh, are we talking about Hamlet?" And some woman comes and she's like, "Hamlet? Who is that? Never heard of him." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this. This again has like a lot of like in jokes that would be easy to miss. It's very and, yeah, it's very funny. Cases, it's very quick. It's witty. Yeah, and in some cases, if you don't get the joke, it's gonna lessen the appeal of this movie. Probably, it's almost a, it's a smart comedy that way. Yeah. If you like, if you don't know who Hamlet is either, that joke is not funny to you, right? Or Pygmalion for that matter. Um, it, it's a kind of a it's a it's a movie about theater lovers really yeah and so you kind of have to also love the theater or at least know a bit about it yeah to to really appreciate it yeah um it was a little bit of a miss i didn't hate it i didn't dislike it it was good it was fine i thought it it kind of it was kind of not wavering is not the right word but it um its flow was was not great. I didn't love the way that kind yeah. of scenes worked together. I didn't mm-hmm. love. I didn't like that. Um, I'll I'll say this now, like because this is going to come up the, the deeper we get into the eight seventies and eighties. Um, I'm not really huge when there's multiple characters speaking all over one another at a time at the same time. I don't really like it when it's done by Robert Altman, mm-hmm. um, although he tends to do it a little bit better because uh, that was his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find it hard to concentrate as to who's talking, who's who talking supposed to, who, to be, who you're supposed to be listening to, and what's to. going on. Yeah, but that's, um, I guess that's some in some ways part of the part of the point you're supposed to be like amidst the chaos of the conversation. Right, I, like I understand the point of it, just as a viewer for me, it's not my thing. Sure, um, but I like the feeling that it's supposed to convey. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, this movie I also felt was kind of relevant to today yeah. in the way that A Star is Born is also relevant for different reasons. Um, and ultimately, I, I enjoyed this film. I think this film, I think seeing Lucille Ball not be um, Lucy Ricardo was, right. I think, the most amusing thing to me because she's she's a bit younger, her hair is brown. Um, and It's black and white. It's You can tell it's brown. <laughs> and... Um, but she st- she plays kind of almost um, not a sardonic character, but a like deeply sarcastic and and 
and whip smart and, you know, mm-hmm. like not an antithesis to Lucy necessarily, but not kind of the goofball in the same vein. Right. And I, I really enjoyed that. So I liked this movie. I'd, I'd rewatch it, but not anytime soon. Uh, I don't think I would rewatch it. I'm kind of fine with it. I, it was good. It was yeah. okay. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those movies. Would you call it a dead end, perhaps? No, I would call the next movie one. That is correct. We're going to talk about the film Captain's Courageous. No. <laughs> Crap, talking... I forgot we also had that movie, too. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about the film Dead End, directed by William Wyler, written by Lillian Hellman, uh, based on the play by Sidney Kingsley. Um, this tells the story of Babyface. Babyface. Oh my goodness! What is a babyface? Is, is it really his story, though? No, it's not. Um, so <laughs> it's it's Humphrey Bogart. It's Humphrey Bogart. Babyface Bogart is what they call no, him. No, it's not how they call him. Um, <laughs> it stars Humphrey Bogart with Wendy Berry and Sylvia Sidney and Joel McCree, uh, and it's basically it's the story of these kids who live on who live in the section of who live in the section of the city, um, and it's kind of there towing the line between being the new generation of the mob or the gangsters and whether they're going to be good people or bad people and and where does that play but also in the meantime babyface martin martin played by humphrey bogart comes back into town and he's got a new face and he's got a new agenda he's got a baby face except it's humphrey bogart so he has anything but a baby face I could love to see a picture so of Humphrey Bogart a as a child, and, actually. You said he has a new face and what? He has a new face and a new agenda. Okay. Yeah. And so he, um, and so he's kind of, in some ways, reestablishing himself, but a, a their story kind of interweaves into yeah, one basically another. Basically, his story is he's on the run from the law. He's coming back to pick up you know, the girl that he left and loves and wants to get out of there with. Um I will say that this movie I really loved because this movie all takes place in the same place. It yeah, kind of weaves in and out. You can tell it was a play almost, in yes, some ways because it the, was definitely. the set that they built, which was extraordinarily cool – all is it's a functional all working set so like when they go in from into one place into and then into this into this restaurant and then they go right. under this dock they're over not, here they're not they don't even have to cut like they could just move the camera they can, in right and it's so interesting it's so, really well done so that being said i loved the the look of this film now that this was one of the best looking films yeah, that i i totally as, agree as far as the looking of the film goes it's it's gorgeous it looks good it doesn't look realistic in the slightest. No, no. Like it there's no street in anywhere in America that, that looks, looks like, like that. this. No, especially in New York. No, absolutely not. Um, but I so, don't care. So that being said, I also really liked Humphrey Bogart in this. Um, yeah, he's although, always great. I don't know if they explain this, but he had a thing with his arm. Like that was his thing in this. Like, if you watch him performing, mm-hmm. there are times, like, he has his arm fixed almost like, like, out for, not out extended for a handshake, mm-hmm. but, like, close to his body like that. Like the one arm man from time. The Fugitive, right? Kind like, of. he's got a fake arm. Yeah. And I'm like, is that arm fake? And then I see him actually use it. And I'm like, okay, it's not fake. I he's didn't. just kind of, like, that's his thing for this character. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. Um... That's good. Um, I wish the story was more about him. Um, that's that's exactly what I wrote. I found him more interesting than the kids. 
Not really on the fault of the kids. I think just Bogart's hard not to find interesting. Right. And so, yeah. The kids, was... the kids to me don't, yeah, the kids to me don't ever flow. Like, they're just jerks. You're just jerks. And then at the end, they're like, no, they'll, they'll be good, I swear. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't, I just didn't care about the kids. Yeah. I want I more agree. Bogart. Although I did like the sister, um, Mm-hmm. She was she was really well, and I would Wendy, probably Wendy give her the. You're talking about, yeah, yeah. I'd probably give her the uh, award. Yeah, and I thought the action at the bit at the end was was good, and yeah. I, I liked a lot about this. I'd, even though I didn't care for the char- the kid storyline, I'd I'd watch this. I'd watch this. More, I would definitely watch this again more readily. This film won nothing. Nope. That's that's a travesty. It is. No, it's not a travesty, though. Captain's Courageous, directed by Victor Fleming of Gone with the Wind and the Wizard of Oz. Written uh-huh. by John Lee, John Lee Mahan, uh, Mary Connolly, Dale Van Every, and Rudard Kipling, which is the novel in which it's based on. Yep. Um, starring Spencer Tracy, Freddie Bartholomew, Lionel Barrymore, and Melvin Douglas. I did not know that was Spencer Tracy. Because of his curly Portuguese wig, right? Yep. Yeah. Because of his wig, which he didn't like. No, obviously. He, uh, it looks and his, stupid on and him. his Portuguese accent, which he didn't like. Which sounded dumb. <laughs> um, he does not look Portuguese at all. And having grown up in a in a city, and, both yeah, of us, that is Portuguese. mostly Portuguese, yep. he does not look Portuguese. No. Um, um, that being said, he won Best Actor. <laughs> Uh, he should have. He should have. He was awesome. Spencer was, Tracy is always he was good. The best part of every time movie. he's in a movie, yeah. I'm like, Spencer Tracy is the best. Um, this is an instance where, like, this kid is a it, it, this kid is a brat. Oh my god! At the, is at he the beginning, ever. and then he yeah. falls off the cruise ship. Yeah, it's a coming of age story. Yeah, it is, but it works because he's a brat, but he's not a brat for so long that you just instantly be like, I'm done with him. That's so true. No, why? Because he's kind of conniving. He's like, he's a. Re- He's a really interesting view. The kid, Freddie yeah. Bartholomew, is really good. He like that scene in the car at the beginning when he's with his friends. He gives them Treasure Island, and he's yeah. like, "You know, I, you know what I did for you, right? You know, like a favor. Yes, and as friends, friends return favors." And I'm like, <laughs> "This kid is a serial killer. <laughs> this like, kid is a mob boss. <laughs> yeah, like he's like he's already making and cutting deals, yeah. and his dad is just a single dad trying yeah. his best to whatever wow. and." I really, really, it took me by surprise how much I enjoyed this film. Me too. Yeah. It really um, took me I'm by not surprise. I'm big on like boat movies except Titanic. Well, I <laughs> know. <laughs> well, I was in the play Captain's Courageous. Okay. Between. Were you the eight, Portuguese fisherman? No, I was the father, actually. Um, between the. Um, between the. Summer of my eighth grade year and freshman year of high school, a friend of mine was. It was community theater and they were doing. They were doing Captain's Courageous. Like they were doing kid, My Fair Lady. Yeah, kids, kids. I was in it. Nobody else was in it. <laughs> um, uh, and they were doing like a all youth Captain's Courageous. Yeah. Um, and because uh, we grew up in a way in a in a fishing port. <laughs> um, so, um, and so I, um, yeah. So I um, had fond memories of that. Yeah. But I didn't really remember much of the story. That was a long time ago, and so. Um, I was really struck with how much I enjoyed this film. Yeah, Spencer Tracy. Spencer Tracy alone. This movie's great. Um, and the fact that they threw in Lionel Barrymore. This is one of his last roles. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they didn't shoot anything on an actual ship. Like, this is... Which is what's crazy. It's crazy to a point. The one thing I will say that mm. I didn't like in this movie was uh, towards the end when they get into the the um, weather issue sure. that triggers everything. And the screen shows, like, the boat almost directly, like, up and down. Mm-hmm. Not... The way that it's shot is just completely unrealistic. Like, how anything is still on that ship is a mystery. Oh, sure. I understand what you mean, but I can't remember exactly how it was shot, but you're saying it should have been more of a... Should have, like, instead should, of tilting the boat, like, mm-hmm. to, a, to a degree, it was almost, like, completely straight up and down. So you're talking about, like, the camera lens looking at things directly straight down? So it was a, like, thinking, a bird's like, eye view? No, it would be like if if we turned this and it looked like you were standing on the wall. Like, if we turned a thing... And oh, I see. Like that. I see what you like mean. That, so, yeah. like, there's no way, like, they're still standing Yes, on I, that I understand what you mean. Um, that's... I honestly don't remember that, so I can't... I, I have no it, comment for you. Right, which is fine. But, like, if you if you watch this, it it's a part that can kind of take you out. Yeah, sure. Um, But that being said, this movie, I thought, was really good, and I thought I wasn't going to like it. Because honestly, the title makes it sound like a war movie. I don't know anything about the book, mm, so that's that's true. Um, I can't remember. I, it might have been this movie. It might have been another one. But there was a line where somebody says, "Oh, they're from Massachusetts. Everyone from Massachusetts is a fisherman." Yeah, and no, was that this movie? movie. No, yeah, I laughed because we're from Massachusetts, and it's not necessarily a prerequisite to know how to fish to live here, but it's important that you know what fish are and where to get them. I liked being on a boat. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> Those are the important things. Um, I really enjoyed this movie across the board. The yeah. cinematography, the music, the acting, its design, it was all it was all great. Yeah. Um, 100 Men and a Girl, directed by Henry Coster, written by Bruce Manning, Charles Kenyon, James McHauser, and Hannes Crayley, which is the idea, um, starring uh, Deanna Durbin, Adolph Menu, Alice Brady, and Leopold Sikowski. Um, as himself. Um, This is about a man who just wants to play his trombone with Strakowski's orchestra. And then uh, his daughter is like, I've got a beautiful singing voice. I can do anything I want, and I will figure out how to get this done. Um, And it's a really charming story about about a a daughter who's just trying her best to help her dad. Yeah. Um, And I... I was this, I was I was charmed sick. I loved of, it. Out of all the movies, this feels like the most modern. Yeah. Well, nah, eh, no. Actually, I I would disagree with that. Just because like everybody's sitting there listening to an orchestra and the way like people were like, okay, I was like, people don't. That being said, I mean like the flow, the flow it was of the scene. It was very fast, right? Film. Like it's breezy. Mm-hmm. Like there's no plotting. Yep. Um, it felt very modern to me. That being said, my favorite parts of this movie. Are like the beginning, like watching the camera cut during the orchestra scene. Oh, sure. Like that is just that done was, so well. Like yeah, that's when true. I said, like this movie. I think I would have given the editing for that alone. The um, I wouldn't. This movie did win best music, best yeah, score. Okay. So yeah. you can see that. But it's true. Anytime, my favorite bits were when Deanna Durbin sang because she her voice was. Out of this world. So it's weird. And now I know, like, filmmaking's different between now and back then. Like, her singing, it was gr- it was very beautiful. But it showed, like, when she's acting it out, 
it almost seems like she's not putting in any effort. And I for it's, for some reason I don't think that's how it is. It's probably because they're it's not re- a, it's ADR. They're not really singing on right. set. Yeah. So I think that was a little bit of a miss for me. Sure. But I, I most musicals are like that to me though, so I tend not to hold it against them. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time I can tell that they're not really singing. So I tend I think to it was just the way work. her voice was. Like mm. the like the way she was projecting and the way the voice was coming out is like she should be like there should be a little bit more sure expression. Part, maybe I think it could just be who she was. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of her to really comment, right. but I my one of my favorite bits is when they the local community has formed their own orchestra yep. and Adolf Manu gets up there and he's got his and he's got a giant um, screwdriver as his baton, <laughs> and all I could think about was you. And you're like, "Why is the baton necessary?" <laughs> I was honestly, I thought, I thought at the beginning when you show when they showed the conductor and he doesn't have a mm-hmm. baton, and I was like, "A conductor without a baton is like a cellist without their little fiddlestick." Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just you need them. Their fiddlestick. I don't know. A, I don't you know don't what it's know called. Music. Oh my! It's called a bow. I know, but fiddlestick is better. I like fiddlestick. When I take out my cello to play, I'm going to refer to that as the fiddlestick <laughs> from now on. Um, really charming movie. There's really nothing apart it's, from the music. There's really nothing special to it. Yeah, I mean, it is a very good movie. Yeah, it's, it's a good movie. It's not it, great. Kind of it's like not. the awful truth. There's nothing. Like it's just fun. There's right. nothing. It's a fun, but nothing yeah. special. You're about not breaking it. any boundaries here. You're right. just fun. Although you could probably the fact that you got that many like classical pieces into one movie it was impressive it's yeah. fantasia level impressive <laughs> um all right so we're gonna last film yep best picture winner the life of emile zola directed by william uh Dittorl, written by norman riley uh norman riley renee and heinz harold and giza herezig and based on the novel by matthew josephson starring paul mooney gail sondergaard Joseph Schlitkraut and Gloria Holden. This movie won Best uh, Supporting Actor for Joseph Schlitkraut and Best uh, Best Writing slash in a Best Adapted Screenplay um, and Best Picture. Obviously, this tells the life of Emile Zola, who was a French author and um, philosopher and all the stuff, and is basically his life. And it kind of focuses on this trial where this guy is accused of. This guy is accused, uh, Dreyfus is accused of something that he shouldn't have been, right. and, and Emile Zola is kind of there to be like, I'm Emile Zola, I've got this. Right. Um, and then he goes on trial. Right. Um, so this movie, to me, is exactly what the Oscars love. It's like that sweeping, we're telling this whole life biopic, and it's important, and this, mo- and this is 1938. Yeah. So Like they're setting the tone. They're setting, they're, one, they're setting, the, right, what well, this is, you know, Hitler's amassing power in Germany, and Zola's all about, you know, um, the fight against the fight against tyranny and you know liberation and freedom and it's all these big things and as as war is almost about to erupt in the world mm-hmm. here comes this movie you know that like gives people hope amidst their fear and so like watching it through that lens I was like I completely understand why this movie got best picture okay completely um so this not I would I would venture to say the second half of the movie the Trial mm-hmm. um, is very good. Um, it's executed well. It's acted well. Especially I'm his. I'm 
it? No, no, not that trial. <laughs> the other trial. Okay. The Emil Zola trial. Okay. Um, like Paul Mooney's um closing argument mm-hmm. is very is done so so well. Yeah. The closing speech, which I will not give away for fear of spoilers, is also very good. The last thing said in the film, basically. The last things. Okay, yep. Yep. Yeah. Um so my, so that being said, like it's well acted. the The trial still stands up to like courtroom dramas of today. Absolutely. Um, and you're like, this is what the Academy loves: this big sweeping biopic. Mm-hmm. I felt like the first hour of this movie, that is supposedly like the biopic part, mm-hmm. just kind of jumps around a little bit too much. I actually and doesn't kinda, really focus in on anything. I kind of have that here too. It kind of assume the film kind of assumes that you know something about Emil Zola, who has not necessarily been lost to history, but he's not an important player in schools necessarily right and so if you don't know his story then yeah. it's a little difficult to follow at this time like at the time that this movie's made people will still kind of know because like the parents will know who he is right I believe this was right around the turn of the century mm-hmm. um i wit this was another thing that like it kind of plods along until it gets to the crux of the story which is the trial and that's what i want like i want that more of that movie. I completely, I completely agree. Paul Mooney, or Money Moon, I say Mooney, yeah, Paul yeah. Mooney does not get enough credit as being one of one of the greats across Hollywood history. Yeah, um, he's unbelievably good. He's almost like a chameleon in like the even just watching this between this and the Good Earth and the, yeah. in the characters that he's playing. Um, he doesn't. He does not receive enough credit for for being Paul Mooney. I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so that's that we're, we're, um, we've got, we and I, you and I have to leave. So I'm going to cut this episode where it is. Yeah. And I want to say, and the, um, are you ready to give your best picture, picture toroling time here? Yes. yes. Okay. So, and the best picture goes to Captain's, Captain's Courageous. Courageous. Yeah. I almost gave it to the good earth. I almost gave it to the life of Emil Zola. Okay. So. Um, I gave it to Captain's Courageous because I think at the end of the day, the story, is, the a, com- a good coming of age story, is timeless. Yes, and the film, uh, as it holds up, really holds up to today's standards. Absolutely, and Spencer Tracy is remarkably good as I, always. Exactly, I think for me, Captain's Courageous hits each note a little bit better than any other movie in mm-hmm. in this year. And that's being that being said, out of the ten movies, I really only disliked two. Uh, and I, yeah. even then like that's kind of a too strong of a word like i they were just not my flavor sure um but like eight i thought were good to really good and i think captain's courageous kind of just nudges checks the box over every other movie in different categories i would agree the good earth really came close for me and the only reason that i really couldn't give it to it is that it's just racist to have yeah non-Asian actors play Asian characters. Yeah. Like, it's just so... Which is weird, because almost everybody else in that movie was, right? Not everybody. But, yeah, there's a, there's some, but not everybody. Yeah. And it's something we... St- like, it's like something Hollywood is still kind of struggling with today. This is, yeah. not a, uh, this is not a problem that has gone away. Ghost in the Shell is a really good example of something that, like, you're still kind of watching that happen now. Yeah. Um, but it's because of, say, like, the, maybe the success of the Gerda that Hollywood says, like, it's okay to do that. Yeah. Um, and so that bit I am not okay with. So I, I'm going to give it to Captain's Courageous, even though 
everyone's really good in that film. Um, and so that wraps it up for us. You can find us at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. Uh, check out all of our Thought Bubble Audio shows, including Tolkien TV Talk, uh, Beer with Geeks, Hate Watch with Us, Supergirl TV Talk, and Starkville's House of L. You can, uh, Krypton. You can also contact Palmer and I through academyrewind at gmail.com and Academy Rewind on Twitter at Academy Rewind, which, which Palmer completely controls. I and completely I control, and I will keep with. saying this so that way Tim doesn't think I'm ever speaking for him. Yeah, you are never speaking I for also, me. I also always try and use the word I unless I know Tim's take on it. That is correct. Um, and so, or you could just tag me on Twitter, which you could find me at TimothyPG13. Um you can also check out patreon.com to support the show and all of the Thought Bubble audio shows. We will be back um, to, in two weeks. And we will be in, no, well, kind of. Um, we will be back uh, to talk the 1929 unique and artistic picture category. That'll wrap up the very the very first Oscars, the very first Academy Awards with the crowd, Chang, and Sunrise. Awesome. Awesome. Well, then, I believe they are playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Hope to bad. Bye. Bye.